All right, this is the second week in Advent. We're going to call it Shakedown. This week is all about the shaking power of Advent. Father Alfred Delp writes, Only when we do not cling to false securities will our eyes be able to see the ultimate. I love that. Uh, I experience this often in the context of marriage, the shaking power of this most intimate and at times difficult bond that has power to reveal something of the ultimate. I was going through my prayer journals uh, during this beginning of the year, and at the very beginning of 2023, uh, I could see something brewing between Annette and I. We had had a conflict that we really had not resolved, and I was very happy not to go back to that conflict, but I could see it mounting in her. There was something simmering, really, for both of us, but as a compartmentalized male, my way of approaching it was to say, time will simply make this go away. Anyone who knows a woman as a man is aware that for the woman, it does not go away, and it simply grew in her, and it mounted, and it mounted over the course of, I think it was like the first week in January last year, and then it just erupted, and it was a shakedown. <laughs> it was a big deal, and at first I was just like, wow, this is a lot, and then I got mad, and so we went out it, at it loud, until we could see eye to eye. We recommitted to growing through what was still an uneasy alliance. We shook as a result of this big conflict that in a way we hadn't resolved, but we had heard each other, and we were together in it. And we were able to settle then upon Jesus and upon our common good. Uh, so, this second Sunday in Advent is all about earth-shaking things. That's the whole point of a big portion of Isaiah 40. John the Baptist is being prophesied by Isaiah, and it's all in preparation for the soon-coming king. That's the passage we're all very familiar with. The mountains will shake and will fall. The valleys will be raised up away will be honed through the rock and through the uneven, uneasy ground. This is God's highway, and the way in is the way on. It's all about repentance. Think about repentance, that which is high and arrogant and lofty, falling into the low places so that the low places themselves get raised up. And in all the uneven mess, there is a way, an even path that is forged. This is, this is the gift of repentance. This is the work of repentance, making a way in our wilderness so that we can see Jesus Find Jesus together in the midst of all of the arrogance and the false humility and 
the unevenness of our relationships. When I refer to repentance, and this passage in Isaiah 40 is all about that, I refer to a person who wills Jesus and Jesus alone. And what happens for the person who is broken and wholehearted in focus upon this Jesus is that Jesus endows him or her with a razor-sharp edge. That's the whole point. Repentance is mighty. It makes a way in our wilderness. God endows the power of our turning wholly to Jesus with that kind of fierceness. At the same time, repentance is a paradox because with this authority, there is a, an underlying poverty. There's a blend of poverty and power in authentic repentance. We acknowledge that we have sickened ourselves and that our virus has been sustained by obvious poverties, hypocrisies that are surrounding us. We acknowledge that we're poor and in a way are unable to act because of the interior and the social poverty around us. But these tremors become quakes within us, and they wake us up in the spirit of what we talked about last week. So we can praise God for that interior unrest that occurs within our poverty that reduces us to one voice. We, we go lower. We go deeper uh, than just getting caught up in myriad points of view. We are reduced to the one, capital O. And this is the beginning of the authority that we need to make a way in our wilderness. Yes, Lord, I'm finally ready for you. Finally ready. I say I know you, but I have not been ready to follow you in this area of my life. This full surrender of repentance requires closing every other door, every other escape hatch completely. You keep the one crack open and nine demons, familiar demons, will rush in. With that turning comes the grace of an empowered will. This is what I spoke of when I, I spoke of this razor-sharp edge. This is nothing less than the baptism of spirit that Jesus imparts to the soul that's done with her demons. Mark 1, verse 8. This is the gospel passage today. Jesus ignites sin-weary souls who turn back. He makes us mighty en route to holiness supernaturally eager, heavenly power to be eager to be without spot or blemish, as Peter says in today's epistle passage, 2 Peter 3, 14. For me, this involves being aware of what my weaknesses are, of course, but repentance enables me to see beyond my weakness. Personal gaps speak loudly. They speak truth, sometimes in little ways, in whispers, 
oftentimes in yelps, but Jesus empowers us in weakness to see beyond ourselves, to see our church, to see the one that he loves. We seek to save her. We can't, we can't seek to save her unless we see her clearly, unless we're able to have a point of view outside of our own interior world. In this way, repentance makes us rich. We can see the church in her poverty without becoming diminished by her poverty. We can even at times smell the stench of death in ugly parts of her and still remain hopeful for her radiance. This is the way of holiness, and, and we need this. We're here in Grandview, Missouri. We're surrounded by the International House of Prayer. I actually came, Annette and I came, Dean Greer <laughs> came. A lot of people came and left, but we came from Los Angeles to be a part of this wonderful uh, prayer furnace. Uh, there's Most of the corners of this area in South Kansas City and Grandview are dotted by this very expansive enterprise. And sadly, this enterprise is now being rocked by accusations and scandals that I'm going to be speaking about more in the future. I, I'm going to do so very respectfully because I really believe in this house and we're actually surrounded by it. So I have a vested interest in its health. And I dare say there's some sickness there that Jesus is exposing and I can either deny that or I can look at that in the face and say, Jesus, make this place well. I want it well because I benefit and you benefit from the health of this prayer furnished. Uh, I'm also concerned about our Roman Catholic Church with our Pope Francis uh, taking a good friend of mine, Cardinal Raymond Burke, one of our greatest American churchmen, uh, he, the Pope just removed his um, capacity to, to, to keep his cardinal housing and pension there in Rome, having served the church for decades. Uh, he has been a very respectful critic of the Pope. This, this Cardinal Burke could not have been more respectful. And the Pope can't hold that intention. So he's literally sort of doing what he can to expulse him from being near him. This is wholly unchristian behavior, let alone papal behavior. I can look at these things from the standpoint of, of wanting Jesus and Jesus' best alone for his church. And I can say, I've got to look at that. Christmas doesn't bar me from that. Advent doesn't bar us from difficulties. In fact, some Christmas traditions can even be dulling acts of nostalgia where we're trying to find this little fabricated world of comfort that we hope will keep us from shaking rather than having to see things as they are and say, Jesus, this is why you came. This is why you're coming back. This is why... We are fools to do anything but fall on our faces before you today and say, Jesus, have mercy on this church of ours. 
it would be without hope if we didn't take seriously the rest of Isaiah 40, which is not just about mountains falling into valleys and valleys being raised up and hard paths being being blazed in the wilderness. Uh, but Jesus, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks of the comfort that God gives to all those who repent, to all those who turn themselves wholly over to this living Jesus. It says in Isaiah 41, one of my favorite passages, comfort all my people and say that, that to, to us, to Jerusalem, to us, the church, that your warfare has been accomplished and the Father is giving you back double for all all your sins. The Father gives us a double portion of favor in exchange for all of our hypocrisies. All we have to do is own them and say, that is ill-fitting for me who bears the name of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get rid of it like a grave cloth and receive in turn, be clothed in turn, with a double portion of favor and righteousness from the Father's hand. It's so beautiful then, uh, the way that Isaiah uh, describes this God as, as the most tender shepherd, more tender than Mary, and the fiercest of all protectors over his sheep. It says in this Isaiah passage, he will, verse 11 verse of Isaiah 40, he like a shepherd feeds his flock. In his arms he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom. He leads the ewes, the mother sheep, with care. So what we see here is that our God uses his power to shield the most important, arguably, nursing mothers who are also at their most vulnerable as they seek to protect and feed their little ones. Who is like this God? The more we know him, the more we love him. Turning to the truth in our shaking only makes sense. So we need to know ourselves and know that our generosity and fidelity to those whom Jesus loves, hinges upon the one who carries us. We are at our most authentic, our most true, able to be most true when we're being carried by this good shepherd. I, I love this imagery because it conveys God's particular heart for the mighty and yet the vulnerable feminine. Uh, uh, the, these passages that, that define how and who God is is always very attuned to the unseen, profound needs of woman, which is so befitting of how we as men in our compartmentalized, rather conflict-avoidant ways uh, often make it so much more difficult for women to know the advocacy of this fierce and tender God because at times of our 
dodginess and compartmentalization. Such good reason to offer ourselves afresh this Advent. We'll close with a quote by Alfred Delp. Again, the great book, Advent of the Heart. If you want to get a copy of that, he says this, Shall we continue to look at thousands of things that we do not like, things that we know shouldn't be and must not be, and still stand unshaken and unmoved? To this message of being shaken, Advent adds a new word, authenticity. We who encounter the ultimate must let go of every compromise. All that survives then is what is authentic. All cheap negotiations shatter there. All half-truths, all double meanings, all masks and poses shatter there. Only what is authentic remains. Amen.